Welcome to the Reimagine Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 31, we continue the conversation with Doug Paul on the role of the church as a leader in kingdom innovation. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey. Hey. Back again. Back again. Back again. Episode 31, continuation of episode 30, which was really good. Absolutely. That was a good conversation. Um, So I don't know about you, but uh, I've noticed it's the environment we're in. It's a new thing that's happening on my phone. But uh, it just, I I get more potential spam numbers uh, dinging me up than I do friends calling. Anybody else experiencing this issue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I started noticing that on my phone doing the, uh, what do they call it? The uh, election year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's just this potential spam. It rings like once and then it goes right to voicemail or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But, but in fact, I'm looking I'm looking on my phone right now on the first screen. I have one, two, three, four, five, six out of oh, half my calls. Is that right? Half my calls since. Uh, say potential spam? You say potential spam. Yeah. Wow. Oh, just a wow. thing. So. But like, they're from Hartford, Kansas, Atlanta, unknown, even one from Mechanicsville, uh, yeah. Waverly. Yeah. Wherever Waverly is. I, I and, tend yeah. to get yeah. some from like King and Queen County, yeah. which is in Virginia. And then there, I get some from the West Coast, Midwest yeah. uh, zone. And yep. I don't know who's calling, but I'm not going to find out either. Yeah, no, no. What, what throws me off is uh, a number from Mechanicsville will call. And, uh, and then I'm like, I don't recognize that number. I'm not going to answer it. And then it'll hang up, and then it'll call right back again, and, and yeah. it'll do that a couple of times. And then I start thinking, well, is it somebody I know, somebody that doesn't have, I don't have their number in my phone, but I know them, and they're trapped in a car somewhere that fell into a crevasse <laughs> and crevasse, uh, <laughs> crevasse. I've been watching Bear Grylls. We've been watching Bear Grylls at our house. <laughs> he calls it a crevasse. Uh, that's too funny. That's I know. Too funny. I know. Um, I now know how to get across a crevasse. Where we ever stranded That's in a place important. where crevasses exist? Yeah. Well, um, you, you, and your uh, sick kids in your car while you travel would need that. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. There's a great crevasse. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use that in a sermon one time. Yeah. I remember one. There's time. a great crevasse between might, you and me. <laughs> if I don't get to it first, yeah. <laughs> it won't sound as good because it's not coming. You got to say it. And vitamins. We also say vitamins now, Vitam- thanks vitamins, to Bear Grill. Oh yeah. yeah, vitamins. Yeah. Vitamins. yeah. But anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So I, I just spam. wonder, do I know this person? Um, but then it turns out, no, I don't. It's it's just spam. But they, they do it like several in a row. Did you actually call um, them back? I did not call them back. No, no. But they never leave a message. And I so never, have you ever called anyone I never back? Know that have you ever called them back? I have never called them never, back. Never, never, never called them back. I don't even call never. back the people who accidentally dial me and say, hey, did you just call my number? Yeah. I, I don't even, people do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So between the spam and, you know. So when did spam get the name spam? Well, um, it's something you don't want, um, (laughs) but you're curious about. Yes. Just like the actual spam. (laughs) Just like the spam. I wonder, you know, it ruined a, a, uh, but you know, that is a delicacy in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Spam is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I like, it really is. It's, it's like what they, when you talk about Hawaiian food and cuisine, that's spam. That's like spam is in there. Yeah. If you're having true Hawaiian. Yeah. So we're not talking Hawaiian bread, a slice of pineapple, and a slice of spam. No. Oh yes, yes. You talk and a slice of spam. Yeah. And wow. uh, yeah, that's we, that's like true. That that is Hawaiian meal right there. Hawaiian bread, pineapple, and a piece of spam. Is that thinly sliced, or is there a certain inch mark on that? 
Spain. Well, it can be thinly sliced and rolled, or it can be chunked. Oh, and where does the jelly uh, wait, come in? Wait, 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 back this up. <laughs> I, I don't remember what episode this was, but you were an expert in a tuna sub. Now you're an expert in Hawaiian spam. What, yeah, what's been, going on in your I've house? I went to a restaurant once. <laughs> the Blue Hawaii? No, somewhere downtown. This has been like, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, but some folks here at church, uh, we went to have dinner with them, and, and she was raised uh, in, in Hawaii, and so... We got the whole lowdown on the spam thing in Hawaii and why it was you know really? part of the cuisine. Yeah, and I'm like, no, not like the stuff in the can that you peel yeah. it back to yeah. get in, mm. and you're really yeah. not sure what it is. Yeah. yeah, we had steakums. Oh god, that was the Midwest version of spam. <laughs> is that when they came out? Steakums. You can microwave them. You've never had uh, fried spam? Uh, no, we have. We actually had spam growing up. Um, there'd be occasions where my yeah. my dad liked it, so he would break it out and. Just the smell of of, yeah. of spam frying in the pan in the kitchen ah, as you walk yeah. in. So, but, so that's not the same as bologna. Yes. <laughs> no, that's another <laughs> a fried bologna sandwich. Fried bologna or sandwich. Or I've actually not had bologna. a I've not had a fried bologna sandwich. Well, have you done a, that? Yes, I have. Mm. Do you like that? No. So why did you do it? You were experimenting. I was experimenting. I was experimenting. Innovation. I was in phase, yeah. phase three. I did not skip it. Yeah, I was experimenting the uh, fried bologna sandwich that yes. my grandmother talked about so much. Yeah, yeah. That wow. or a square dog. She loved a square dog. A square dog. You, you What's just, a square dog? You just cut the hot dog in half so it becomes square and, and, oh, yeah. and sizzle it on both sides in this yeah. cast iron pot. Yeah. yeah. And then lightly toast the hot dog bun. Wow. Leave the oven door barely cracked so it doesn't overheat. Yeah, yeah. You can put it in the microwave, turn it on. Just don't let it in there too long because it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still on ground. Square dog, it's a splat dog. <laughs> splat dog. We got we got we, We're innovating now. Uh, we're going to move into the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With we, started, we started with phone calls. <laughs> yeah. And now, yeah. We must be hungry. It must yeah. be about that time. Yep. Yeah. Hey, so episode 31 is a continuation of our conversation with author Doug Paul uh, in regards to his book, Kingdom Innovation. And particularly, we'll speak into um, an article that uh, he's written and talked about, about uh, the future of the church in the next 10 years and what are some predictions or, or some conversations about that. So, um, episode 31 is a continuation from episode 30. Uh, recently, uh, you had an article along with some other contributors and some research with 10 church predictions for the next 10 years. Can we yep. briefly touch on those? And uh, Brian, I know we've talked a little bit about pulling some out and just hitting some of those predictions that are that are coming forward. Yeah. Uh, how did you, uh, first of all, how did that how did that come together? Uh, was that a dartboard conversation? You just put a bunch up there? <laughs> <laughs> that was after an entire pot of coffee per person. That's you right. Know. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, this is this is just gonna let you know what like a nerd culture our household is. Awesome. awesome. Um, my, so my wife is a she's a cultural anthropologist, Sweet. and so talking about the future is kind of what we do for fun around mm-hmm. here in the Paul household. Um, so we had a this was in January of 2019, which feels about a decade and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we were just having a conversation around that. Like, what is the, what, what do we think in 2030? What do we think the church is going to look like? And it was just, it ended up being like this really long, rich conversation. And the next day I was just like, Hey, what if we actually did real work on this and spent some time talking to people and researching and getting a small team together and looking at both meta and macro trends for what's happening in culture and what's happening in church and just, let's predict some things. And 
so that ended up being a, uh, a six month, uh, research journey that we were on that ultimately ended up in this little ebook, 10 church predictions for the next 10 years. That's sort of the genesis of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you, you list, you had more than 10, you can, they can find those. Think, <laughs> yeah, on the website. of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but you kind of narrowed them down here. And of course the, the first one, um, we, we have to talk about this one. The word evangelical will go the way of the dodo. <laughs> um, uh, that's i uh, I'm not sure which word I like better, evangelical or, or dodo. dodo. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, they're, they're both good. They're both good. <laughs> so, um, so say more about it. It's certainly a hot topic. I mean, this is certainly is. Uh, a big conversation right now on where we're heading, uh, and and what is that word, and what does it mean, and 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 you know how it's fallen out of favor in in some circles, and should we reclaim it? Should we drop it? Um, but you you tend to think it's it's on its way out. I I do. Um, I think it's just important to say that evangelical is synonymous with voting. Mm, yeah. That that's. That's what it means. It doesn't mean anything related to Christian faith anymore. It just means a voting block. Hmm. And so just by virtue of that, the word, anytime a word doesn't mean the thing that it's supposed to mean, we need to have serious conversations about, is this word worth using anymore? So I think that's sort of the starting place. Um, I think that the other thing that's happening is for people who are 40 and younger, when you look at the people who are Christians who are 40 and younger, they are more um, evangelical in the historical sense of the word than the last couple of generations have been. When it comes to how often are they reading their Bible, how often are they praying, how often are they sharing their faith, it actually is higher because it costs them more. In a more diverse um, generation, with more and more people who aren't Christians, to say you're a Christian is more costly, and so it means more. And so there, there are a group of people who actually, historically, when you look at what, what historically the word evangelical has meant, they are more that. But they have never been more resistant to use that word. So the future, the people who are, like, who are starting to become um, the, the, the leaders in, whether it's government, whether it's in our churches, whether it's a business, whatever it might be, they're like, I'm not using that word. So I don't think it's going to disappear necessarily altogether in the next 10 years, but the people who come to define and live out and embody the term, they are not going to be using it. That's, that's just, it's a prediction. I could yeah, be wrong. Sure. No, I mean, I think that's a good observation and I, I don't disagree with, um, with that, that idea and that concept that the word will go away to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah. So Either you have to really try to redefine it, but it's hard to when it does become. I mean, it is political. I mean, that term is yeah. political. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. that's it's it's not sacred, you know, from the sense of its practice. So yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's good stuff, or so, not good stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what it is. It, it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I hate that line too, but yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it's not a, it's not a great line right now. So there is, in another prediction, there is, you know, 51% uh, of pastors believe that their most important next step for discipleship in their church is for them to receive training. So there is a lot of conversation taking place now about disciple making. Uh, There is that disciple making movement. Of course, we've seen those movements take place uh, globally uh, over the years, uh, you know, and how uh, the church is being discipled. So what does that look like for a disciple-making movement that's going to hit and spread like wildfire? 
So this is, I mean, I would say this is, most of my days are spent around this question, working with pastors and denominational network leaders around this question. I think what it's going to take is we need to, we've just got to stop importing other people's models into our church and expecting them to work. Um, too often what you're seeing now, because what, what, what the, um, what the, the mobile internet has done is it has, in one way, it's connected us all together, but it's also shown us all the ways in which we're incredibly different. And so what works in Mechanicsville, Virginia, is actually not going to be what works in Churchill, even though they're only separated by 10 miles. And we, we are going to need to have methods for making disciples that are highly contextualized. Um, and so what, what it is that I spend a lot of time doing is helping churches create discipleship um, methods for their people that will lead to both deep transformation for the individual and rapid reproduction. Um, this idea that like the best way to grow your church is by growing your people. And I think the way that that happens is by creating wholly unique vehicles and methods for doing that at local, at the local church level, because over and over again, increasingly what you're seeing, it's crazy. Um, Cause you didn't see this 20 years ago is people import other people's method and the body rejects it. Like a, like the physical body is rejecting an organ. Like when there's a transplant happening, and sometimes it, it's not a full rejection; like it'll stick in there, but it's just like you're looking at this thing. You're like it's not, it's not exactly working like we wanted it to. Um, so I think more and more it's going to be it's knowing what we're building for, and so the way that we talk about that is deep transformation and rapid reproduction, and then designing it with that end in mind, with your church's unique DNA. That could just be unbiased because that's what I do every day. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, like when we, there are places like we're so conditioned to be like, well, you know, those disciple making movements in Nepal or China or Uzbekistan or India, that's, that's other places. That's not here. Right. That has actually happened here, but we are just, well, it looks so different than what we're used to seeing church looking like. And so that's where it's like, look, if you don't have eyes to see it, it's going to be really hard to see it. Yeah. yeah there's a lot. There's uh, a lot there. <laughs> we could impact a lot. We, yeah. Yeah. we could double yeah. click on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a double click. Yeah. Because, you know, then it gets back to, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're attending the conferences. We're, we're buying the whole package deal and, um, and just putting it in, I, I've I've fallen into that myself. And you know, the uh, best thing that's happened to COVID is you can't go to any conferences. You can't go, right? <laughs> but there's no a webinar every hour on the I hour. Yeah, shut those down. <laughs> Sorry. You know, it, it, it's in, it's interesting you, you say that. I remember um, when my family and I lived uh, in a closed country environment. One of the, I probably spent the first seven months realizing everything I had learned at an educational level. Mm-hmm. You could throw it out the window in that particular culture. Yeah. And it went, it went back to, I couldn't knock on the door. I couldn't give people books. I couldn't produce this, this media material and give them and go out, whatever it was, it was organic. It was, it it goes back to me being a disciple first and sharing that with somebody else and living it out that way. And you almost, you almost had to go back and, um, uh, this is not a word at all, but it's just coming to my head. Detrain, remove, Mm -hmm. remove what we were trying to unlearn. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
remove that was in there so that I can open up to experience differently in a, in this cultural context. So, uh, but do you realize that if you, if you truly dive into context, it means you have to know people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to know where folks are. I mean, you have to live there. You have to, so I mean, it's all, and rather than trying to import something that works somewhere else, you've got to take the time to get to know people and to your neighbors. And I don't know, it's like, Huh, that might be um, yeah. like some Jesus would have done. Yeah. That. <laughs> that might take time and effort. Yeah. Walk around the crowd, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, he's going to leave the preacher to start preaching, you know, but yeah, we'll go on. Move uh, next. Yeah, okay. no, let's, let's get through a few more. One one important one, obviously, during um, this, this pandemic time is uh, with media. So you say, while some churches will be defined by their positive, uh, by their posture towards digital media, most will be distracted by it. Love to have yeah. you say more about the church's yeah. posture toward uh, toward media. Yeah, I think this goes to where often, like oftentimes, churches, and I'll, I'll say evangelical churches are <laughs> looking. Are, there it is. <laughs> are looking for a silver bullet. They're looking at the things that they want to happen, and they're not happening, or at least not at the rate that they want them to. And they're thinking, all right how can I fix this in one fell swoop? And so, I mean, you can just look at this generationally. It's like, all right, seeker sensitive is going to fix <laughs> all of the ills. And then it was like the missional conversation. is going to fix all of the ills. And, and, and it's just the next thing, the next, the next fad that waves that kind of like wafts through. And we grab onto that. And we're like, this is going to be the thing that fixes it. And I think digital is going to be the next thing we grab onto. Um, and it is going to be another thing that we're like, this is going to fix it. And for some, it's going to do some great things. And for other people, most people, I think it's going to be a giant distraction. Um, it's not that every church shouldn't be involved in digital engagement. I think every church should be. But the amount of time, energy, resources, and our expectations of what it will do, um, I think are we've got to be realistic and the bigger question for me is you got to see the full picture. 79% of Americans right now would self-diagnose as addicted to technology. What does it say that we want to double down on an addiction to see something happen in our churches? Like that we're going to use something that is right now deteriorating um, people's lives rather than building it up. I'm not saying you can't do that, but we, I think we have to think through this really critically because there are ways of engaging that could be really of the kingdom, but there are a lot of ways of engaging um, and kind of watching churches do this that are really destructive um, for people and actually are going to do more harm for the kingdom than good, mm-hmm. if I were to guess. Again, all yeah. predictions sure. could be wrong. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that's good. We say all this with a caveat. I'm not the yeah. voice of God here. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I, I mean, that's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a tension. Yeah. I mean, you, we, you think about the technology use in your own life and trying to step away, step away from it. You t- you know, digital minimalism and those kind of things, but yet yeah. it's the only way right now you can, you can connect to a, a, a life group or connect to a, yeah. your, your, your church. And so we're, we're in the middle of this rub and, and we're all, all the online webinars you go to or, or networks <laughs> you hear about is, you know, digital, digital, hybrid, hybrid, you know, and they're not, not bad. I'm not saying that either, but this is a real tension that you have yeah. to think futuristically about to yeah. realize it's about people connecting to people. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that, what does that look like? So, 
So yeah. what uh, the other one I have a question on is we know, uh, unfortunately, that uh, there will be buildings that, that shut down mm-hmm. and churches uh, will go away. What is a healthy merger of local churches coming along together look like? Uh, it, you know, <laughs> denominationalism could be in the way, uh, core beliefs, values, but yet the body of Christ coming together and uniting. Is, is you have a healthy thought about that? Yeah, because you're seeing a lot more of this happen. And there was an article that came out last week where they were they were looking at just the giving trends that have been happening, uh, where the economy is at, and the kind of cash reserves that churches have. And they're predicting that one in five churches uh, in the next 18 to 24 months are going to close right. because they're not financially sustainable. Um, and so this is one where I made this church prediction about church foreclosures. And I think, sadly, I think I'm going to be right about this. And it's going to be because COVID has accelerated what was already happening because you had so many churches that were over leveraged in their buildings and over leveraged in their staffing. And I think the, 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 this idea of church mergers has got to be a, like, this is a very important conversation. Um, cause I think sometimes we're, we're thinking about churches like they should exist forever. There's not a single church that exists right now that has been there from the beginning. Right. Like the seven churches in Revelation, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Like no church is meant, it's a spiritual family and no church is meant to last forever. And so we have to be open to like, what is God doing? What's the new thing in the wilderness and the wasteland? as Isaiah says, that God is calling his people into to bring life and hope and healing. And I think where I have seen this go well tends to be when churches have been very intentional about engaging a relational process over a period of time. And it didn't happen like a shotgun wedding. Um, they, they, the senior leaders were engaged, their elders or deacons or whatever they, whatever structure they had were engaged. And their people were engaged in having experiences together where they get, it's like dating and courting. I mean, you're just, what are we like when we're together? And does that, like Acts 15, does it feel good to us and to the Holy Spirit for this to happen? But in order to have that conversation, you got to say out loud, hey, we might be better served being part of another congregation. And that's really hard because that's a, that's grief. And that's, that's, a, that's a death of sorts, it's a death of expectations, the death of a dream. Um, Andy Crouch, I had a conversation with him, and he was talking about one of the reasons he thinks a lot of churches struggle to innovate is because a lot of their people have unprocessed grief. And what we do is we attach like the grief that we have to places like a sanctuary or a building um, or a location or a song. And when those things change, we get very angry because our grief is located in those things. And they've kind of like spiritually and emotionally attached to them. So in order to, we've got to help people grieve if we're going to have that really, I think, healthy conversation around what church mergers can look like for, to be on God's mission together. It's a long answer. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. That's important. It's a lot of conversations right now that are happening yeah. Oh, yeah, around yeah. that. Yeah. So, uh, in the last couple of minutes here, um, coming back to where we started with innovation, the last prediction you have is a wave of innovation in the church will hit in the next 10 years. 
can you just for uh, briefly talk about that and, and why, why you believe that to be the case? I mean, there's the old, I, it might even be in the ebook. I can't remember. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, we are at a time where more and more Christian leaders are realizing we are on the, we are on the precipice of a really steep decline. And I mean, that, that decline has already started, but when you look generationally where the numbers are at, it looks, when we get to 2035, 2040, where the, where the numbers are at are pretty scary. And the leaders who are coming up, um, who are, who are like 40 and younger, their friends aren't Christians, like by and large, like statistically, like their friends aren't Christians. And if they did grow up with friends who are Christians, they've left the church just statistically. And so there is a, they are the ones who are looking at reality and seeing this thing is not working in the way that we want it to. And necessity is the mother of invention. So I think it's going to force people to innovate. Foreclosures force people to innovate. COVID forces people to innovate. We're going to have, I think, a number of crises that hit in the next 10 years that are going to force people to either adapt or hopefully not to die. Like that, that, that's what a lot of churches will face. And hopefully faced with that survival challenge, they're going to innovate. Yeah. I mean, you want the positive thing. It's like God's doing a new thing. And I think he is doing a new thing. Yeah. And we're responding to the mission of God in this super hopeful optimist. Like, I think there are going to be churches that do that. But I think, if I'm just being honest, most churches are going to do it just out of survival Sure. But is that the right? No, 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 no. I don't think so. I, because I think I don't think I don't think we should be afraid of death. I mean, yeah. something. I mean, think, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. And so, exactly. from that standpoint, I think there are organizational deaths that give way to organizational life. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, so I think that's that's putting a spin on it. It's just the reality of of where people are. So I don't think that's that's bad at all. Yeah. Um, but I do think the as you look towards the future, I mean, there are going to be some, um, that, that, uh, there will have to be changes and, and yeah. there'll have to be some differences and they'll be good. You know, it's just a matter of, of, um, doing it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just do it. You just say. do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the Reimagine podcast. Tell us about where we can learn more about kingdom innovation. We can learn about laboratories or uh, your information in terms of connecting with, with coaching resources yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So you can, um, I mean, where all books are sold, Amazon. You can go to Amazon, <laughs> uh, got ebook, hard copy, audiobook. You can pick it up there. Um, if you just, you know, if you just put in Doug Paul, Kingdom Innovation, it'll pop up and you can you can grab a copy. And then the organization that um, I help lead is called Catapult. If you go to wearecatapult.org, you can find out about some of the innovation labs that we run, um, how we help churches with discipleship or mission and a whole host of other things. Plus, I got some pretty fun just videos and resources that are that I think people will, will probably connect to and like, like the 10 predictions you wrote. Right. Well, good. Certainly appreciate you being on the show. Look Absolutely. forward to seeing you around the city. Thankful that uh, we are close by neighbors, but really good work, good conversation, and we look forward to putting it into, into practice. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Absolutely. thanks. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug.
Thanks for joining us on the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Overcast and download any of the episodes and rate them. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast.